You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. It just continues. My, oh, my. Rapino sends it in low. Go, U.S. It's Superb's building. You bet. She's up. Punches right now. Hello there, everybody, and welcome back to Circling Seattle Sports on Converge Media. Of course, as always, I am your host, Charles Hammerker, here with you. Uh, man, it's been a pretty, it's been a busy time. I won't lie to you. It's been a very busy time here. Uh, I've got cracking morning skate in a few hours, so that's why we're in the, oop. Hello. In the home studio today. I don't know how much of that you caught. It's been a very busy uh, last few few weeks uh with the mariners wrapping up their regular season with the kraken beginning preseason and getting through training camp uh, the rain and the sounders are pushing for their respective playoff spots so it's it's been very busy it's been very busy so that's why we're here in the home studio that's why we have been for a uh, few weeks now um so anyway we'll get right into it here with the seahawks the seahawks play tonight actually monday night football it'll be about an hour and 15 minutes after this episode goes live um so we don't have obviously and too much to go over outside of the actual injury report and stuff like that as you can see on the banner uh the giants are a little bit beat up um offensive tackle andrew thomas has already been ruled out for the giants um and running back saquon barkley is more than likely not going to play in this game the giants are a very interesting team uh They've got some talent, certainly. They gave Daniel Jones a lot of money, which I thought was a mistake. Uh, just being totally honest there. Uh, excuse me. They had to come back in a big way against the Arizona Cardinals, a, a team that was widely regarded as the worst roster in the NFL coming into the season. Uh, they had to come back to beat them. There was obviously the week one loss, 40 to nothing against the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. And then they were beaten pretty bad by the 49ers in their last game back on Thursday, uh, the 21st of September. So they've had a little bit of time to rest. Um, the Seahawks will come into this game, you know, uh, they should be favored. And obviously favored means nothing. If you're a Seahawks fan, you know that <laughs> the, the the team can sometimes kind of fall into a lull here. But I feel like this is different. There are going to be a lot of different storylines coming into this game. Obviously, a couple guys who are returning to New York, whether it be Geno Smith, Jamal Adams, um, and just the way that this offense has been progressing. Uh, you know, you've got Jackson Smith and Jigba really hasn't had his breakout game, even though he's been creating a ton of separation. He just hasn't been getting the targets quite yet. So anyway, I'm yapping. Uh, we'll get into the injury report at the Giants. So cornerback Artie Burns is out with a hamstring injury. Cornerback Trey Brown is out with a concussion. So those two are out. You're going to really need big efforts from Week Woolen, um, excuse me, and Devon Witherspoon here. With the the cornerbacks kind of banged up, uh, doubtful is offensive tackle Charles Cross with a toe injury. So is cornerback Kobe Bryant uh, with a toe injury. He is doubtful as well. So you're really testing the cornerback depth here for the Seahawks. Uh, going to be interesting to see how they mix up the coverages uh, with basically three of your cornerbacks out there. Questionable. Defensive end Draymond Jones with a hip injury. Linebacker Derek Hall with a knee injury. Tight end Noah Fant with a knee injury. Uh, center Evan Brown with a quadriceps injury. And tight end Will Disley with a shoulder injury. So uh, 
team's banged up. The team's banged up already early into the season. This is where that depth starts to shine through. And, you know, with the, the injury list, as long as it is, it makes me think back to after the preseason cuts were made, Pete Carroll talked about bringing back a lot of the guys, all of the guys who had been in camp with them, they had been able to bring back and sign to the practice squad or they had them uh, pretty close by. Uh, which, you know, they liked those guys, obviously. So you're going to see a lot of that depth and those guys that they liked in the preseason who didn't make the initial 53-man roster or the practice squad shine through in a situation like this. So unfortunate that it has to be through injuries, but, you know, that's that's how it is. Uh, a couple roster moves for the Seahawks here. On the 26th, the team waived wide receiver Rashad Henry from the injured reserve. On the 27th, the team waived receiver Cody Thompson on Wednesday, opening up a spot on the 53-man roster, and on the 28th, the team signed linebacker John Radigan off of the practice squad to the 53-man roster. So a couple interesting situations there. The Seahawks are kind of slim at the wide receiver spot with both Henry and Thompson off of the roster. Uh, they did work out Tavon Austin earlier in the week, but the signing was not made. So it'll be interesting to see what, yeah, it's, Seattle's banged up already. Uh, and so I know that on my banner earlier in the segment there with the Seahawks, it said that Giants are banged up. So are the Seahawks. So we'll get to that there. Um, Seattle sits at a 2-1 and one record so far in the season. Uh, they sit at second in the NFC West after the Sunday games. Looking ahead, as I mentioned, today's game, uh, today as of recording this, October 2nd at the New York Giants, 5.15 Pacific time. Uh, that is Monday Night Football. Uh, this is on ABC and ESPN for you to watch there. So we move over here to not-so-fun stuff with the Mariners. Oh, yeah. Um, that three-game stretch to begin the final 10 games didn't go well done in Texas. Um, and it was like, all right. So now we've got this big final seven-game homestand against the Astros and against the Rangers. And that didn't go that well either, at least to begin. Um because of how badly the Mariners had performed over the month of September, they needed some help to be able to get into the playoffs, let alone to be able to win the division title. Both of those things were still up in the air until the second to last day of the season. Um, but yeah, as you've kind of been able to guess, the Mariners aren't going to the playoffs. So um, September 25th, we go into the Astros series here, a one to five loss in the opening game of that series. Our player of the game, second baseman, Josh Rojas, Rojas, two hits and one run. The only Mariner to record a multi-hit game in that series opener. Just not great. Uh, the Astros have a lot of quality pitching in their, in their uh, team right now. And the Mariners just had no sort of rhyme or reason or answer to it. And you know, that the fact of the matter that the Astros have such good pitching and the Mariners have really struggled offensively here in September didn't create for the greatest mix. So that I say that, but Oh, well, and then our photo of the game here uh, is right fielder. Jared Kalnick, not happy with the call and kind of sums up his face kind of sums up how everybody uh, that's a Mariners fan felt after that. We go to game two. Uh, the Mariners would win this one six to two. Our player of the game would be catcher Cal Raleigh. Um, two hits, one run, one RBI, uh, and one walk on the day. Uh, nice big game there uh, for the Mariners to win that one. 
we go here to our photo of the game here by Brian Saldana. Uh, Brian got this Cal, I mean, Ty France um, celebrating with the Trident tie. Nice for him to kind of get in on the celebration there, get the last run there um, of the, the six for the Mariners and really put them back in it. They needed this one. They arguably needed a sweep. Um, not necessarily, but you needed the series win. And if we go back here, you can see they didn't get that. Uh, frustrating uh, to begin this, you know, last seven games. Uh, they would lose that one, three to eight. Our player of the game, third baseman, Eugenio Suarez. Gino, one hit, two RBIs, and three walks on the day. Uh, and this also included an altercation. Um, Julio struck out. Julio had a, a ugly game in this one, to say the least. Um and a friend of his, former friend of his now, uh, Hector Neris, um, charged him after striking him out. Um, and... Oh, pardon me. Struck him out. And the report was that Neris shouted a, a homophobic slur at him. Uh, per Eugenio Suarez, who was on the on-deck circle at the time, Julio would not say what it was that he said to him. So that personally tells me all that I need to know, but who knows? Um, and Julio didn't really like that. He took exception to that, and he said that he doesn't plan on speaking to Neris moving forward. So obviously, again, taking into the fact that Julio is really, really upset about it, and he doesn't get upset about stuff like that normally, uh, just the other pitcher celebrating, uh, the fact that Neris like approached him after the strikeout, which never really happens, um, said those things. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting to me, uh, and it'll be really interesting to see if he ever if the truth ever comes out about that because Neris has denied it. But again, if Julio doesn't want to be friends with him anymore, something happened there. Uh, we go over here to the Rangers series, so you you lose that series against the Astros and you at that point kind of need to sweep the Rangers uh, and you need some help. Um, and it started off positively. The Mariners would win the first game three to two. Our player of the game shortstop JP Crawford, JP two hits, two RBIs, a walk-off double in the bottom of the ninth. Uh, our player of the game. Mm. Oh, wait. Yeah, sorry. I got my photos all mixed up here. Um, our second foot player of the game uh, would try to hit a pitcher, Logan Gilbert, six innings pitched, three hits, two runs, both of them earned runs, zero walks on the day. Nice, nice outing for uh, for Logan there. And then our, our photo of the game here captured by Brian Saldana, JP shouting, uh, let's effing go um, into the microphone in his post-game interview with Jen Mueller, and that really got people excited. Uh, really big there. The Mariners had the bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth inning. They had them loaded with no outs. <laughs> the next two batters, both of them pinch hitters in Josh Rojas and Mike Ford. Uh, it was uh, Ford and then Rojas, my apologies, uh, would both go down, leaving J.P. Crawford, who has been the Mariners' best hitter with the bases loaded by far this season. J.P. would come through in the clutch uh, and get that started. In the second game of the series, September 29th versus the Rangers, Seattle would keep things going in a big way. They would win this one eight to nothing. Our play of the game once again, JP Crawford. JP, one hit, two runs, four BIs, and one walk, including a grand slam in the fourth inning, which is seen here. Him uh, kind of celebrating that with this photo by Liz Walter. Big, big win. 
The Mariners get the first two games of the the uh, the series there in in dramatic fashion in game one and emphatic fashion in game two, leading us into the third game of the series, September thirtieth. Uh, they really needed this one. They really needed the one this one because the Astros hadn't been losing their games, um, and that's that wasn't good for the Mariners in terms of a playoff spot and uh, where they needed to end up. And the the Blue Jays hadn't been either. Um, and in the big game, this one was broadcast on national television on Fox. Um, the Mariners dropped a dud. Their offense was bad. Uh, the starting pitching was bad. Luis Castillo didn't have his control. He walked a bunch of batters. Uh, this all kind of fell apart. If the Astros won later in the night, then the Mariners would be eliminated from postseason contention, and they would. The Astros would win that game. Uh, there would be no walk-off for the Diamondbacks against the Astros, and the Mariners would be eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, really frustrating, really frustrating for many reasons, but we'll um, sort of get to that after we finish up this uh, series here. Uh, October 1st versus the Rangers after this game. Didn't mean anything for the Mariners, but the Rangers needed to win it to help them win the AL West title. Uh, and the Rangers couldn't manufacture a single run. Uh, the Mariners would win this one one to nothing. Our play of the game, starting pitcher George Kirby. George, six innings pitched, three hits, no runs, no walks, and seven strikeouts on the day. Uh, this is kind of how I felt. You can see Mike Ford shrugging in our photo of the game by Liv Lyons. Um, just kind of surprised. I mean, the Mariners weren't exactly going try hard in this game. They got a lot of their starters out throughout the course of the game. Uh, they only scored one run on offense, and the Rangers and their mighty, mighty offense couldn't get anything. Um, before I get to the eliminated, our player of the week, I mean, it's hard to not go with J.P. Crawford. His slash wasn't too great over the last seven games, a 261 batting average, 414 on base, a 565 slugging percentage, six hits, three runs, two homers, seven RBIs, and seven walks. But that three-day stretch of in that last game against the Astros, um, he had a leadoff homer in the bottom of the first. In game one against the Rangers, he had a walk-off double. And then in game two, he had the grand slam. Just an absolutely huge you know, three game stretch there to really, and, and especially to lead uh, as the guy really who should have a captaincy on his chest for Seattle. Uh, just the amount of players and the coaching staff who said that JP Crawford, this is his team, the role he's taken in the clubhouse, just kind of told you what JP means to this team. It just is funny to think back on the f the fans who really thought that this team should move on from JP this past offseason. Um, so, <laughs> pardon me. Yeah, just kind of ridiculous and ridiculous to see the run that he had, the adjustments that he was able to make in the past offseason, the drive line. He says he's going to be back there this offseason, so it's just been remarkable. Um so, yeah, the Mariners were eliminated from playoff contention. I'm going to do a longer video on this on our uh, Circling Seattle Sports, our actual Circling Seattle Sports account. So we'll go down there. But there were several, several different wrongs um, that weren't righted for this Mariners team. Free agency was a bust. Uh, you didn't really do much in free agency. Your biggest uh, acquisition in the offseason was Teoscar Hernandez and solid, sure, but still a high strikeout guy. Uh, in, and even if you take out the strikeouts for Teo, you still needed more than one bat, and you really only got one productive bat. Cooper Hummel spent the entire season basically in AAA Tacoma. 
Colton Wong didn't work out here. He's postseason bound with the Dodgers. Um, Paul, you know, not worried about that. Hmm. Excuse me. Um, yeah, so the offseason in terms of adding players was a bust. Um, trade deadline. Eh, uh, they talked heavily about wanting to add for the future. Dom Canzone, I think, uh, if he can kind of work on his eye at the plate, very productive player. Ryan Bliss had a really solid year in the minors this season. Josh Rojas was a very productive major league player for the Mariners this year. So I, I, you know, sure, the trade deadline. Edward Bizzardo pitched a decent amount of innings. Um, so, yeah, sure, fine. Uh, but really, I mean, you look at this season for the Mariners, right? And despite how things went poorly in the early parts of the year, and you could say, hey, you need to win these games early on. Yes, I would agree with that. I, I think it's kind of silly to be like, oh, well, it's it's early in the year and we'll put it together. No, the Mariners finished a game out of a wild card spot this year. A game. So if you had been able to be on the ball a little bit quicker, we would be having a much differently toned conversation right now. But we're not. We're not, right? So um, that, and you look at the end of August. They had this historic month. Julio was on fire. You know, it was like, all right. They got on the plane to New York and the Mets and begin a 10-game road trip. They had the Adidas run DMC suits on. It was a big thing. And then through the course of September, the the offense looked like the first half offense chasing the ball too much, uh, not really having that small ball approach, not really hitting for contact. Um, whether you believe it's a curse on the run DMC shirts or not, I don't care. I don't buy into that anymore. Um, but you take that uh, and you look at the, yeah, the way the offense performed, it was just abysmal leaving a ton of runners in scoring position, leaving a ton of runners on base in general, and then sometimes not even generating that traffic on the bases, which is a problem in and of itself. Uh, but also take all of that, and that's my primary factor was how poorly the offense performed at the throughout the course of the month of September. You also realize the starting pitching kind of faltered a little bit too uh, over the course of the month of September. So just unfortunate. Um, everybody's seen it by now, essentially, but Cal Raleigh made comments and he's basically like, we need to add players. We need to go out and free agency and add. We can't just kind of, excuse me, bet on, you know, the farm system and bring these guys up. We need, if you're going to make the next step, you're going to go deeper into the playoffs. You're going to go to the world series, you're going to win the world series. You need to add players in free agency. You need to add winners. You need to add proven production players and the Mariners haven't really done that necessarily outside of trades. They haven't been able to attract the big free agent like that uh, since who, I don't know, hell Robinson Cano. Um, so it's, it's very frustrating. It's very frustrating. I understand that. Um, I'm not like, Oh, I'm going to stop watching next year. No one. Cause I can't, cause it's my job. But two, you know, you look at, the monster that Julio is and realize, Hey, he's 22 years old. He can only continue to get better and learn from things. And, and, you know, so that was really positive to see because I know a lot of coaches were like, all right, I'll see you later. Good luck. Um, you know, so 
yeah, really frustrating, really, really, really frustrating. Uh, but I feel like the path to success is wide open. It's up to the ownership in, in large part, John Stanton to say, hey, all right, we need to spend here. And how that hasn't happened, I don't know. Um, yeah, it's 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 really hard to kind of fathom the sort of expectations that this team put on themselves and see the highs of the season and then know that we're not going to the playoffs. So anywho, uh, we'll talk a little bit more about end of the season stuff next week. We'll now move over here. No storm stuff. Uh, not that we'll talk about on here to our Sounders who split points in Nashville. So it's, it's not a loss <laughs> as we've talked about so many times with the Sounders team. It's not a loss. So that's fine. Uh, maybe not so much when you know that, if the Sounders had recorded all three points in this match, then they would have clinched their playoff spot. But again, I digress. Um, sorry, folks, trying to stay awake here. Um, our player of the match, I went with Reed Baker Whiting uh, on the left side. Again, the Sounders graphic the other day when he was in the team of the match day for the MLS had him as a midfielder, but he's being listed on the lineup as like a left wing back. So we're going to go with that. Uh, Reed, an 8.0 match rating, which actually led the entirety of the match. 90 minutes played. He played all 90 minutes in 80% passing percentage. Um, he doesn't get. Oh, wait, this is a scoreless draw. I apologize. Oopsie. Um, yeah, an 80% passing percentage, 70 touches, 13 passes into the final third, which doesn't. 13 is a lot. Like I see a good match typically. It's like single digit passes into the final third so to see 13 is pretty wild um he won three of his five tackles two clearances eight recoveries is big there um 89 of his ground duels won though which is big so uh i apologize for having the one one up there it was a zero zero draw uh scoreless draw so yeah nashville's good nashville's a good roster they've got a good club over there um the club was without Albert Rusnak. If we look at the availability report, Soda Kitahara continues to be out with a left quad strain. Uh, Nuhu is out with a suspension, a card suspension. Uh, Cody Baker was questionable in concussion protocol, and Albert Rusnak was uh, questionable with an illness. Jordan Morris was not with the club uh, for this draw, as he uh, he and his wife had welcomed a new child, I believe it was, uh, which is very cool. Um, yeah, I'm I'm fine with that. You know, it's 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 a point. Again, it's it's going into that environment, going down to Nashville, playing this roster, um, and you're without Morris. Uh, Real Rui Diaz did not uh, play in this match. He was originally in the starting lineup, but because of as the Sounders listed back pain, uh, he was a very late scratch, like very close to uh, kickoff, and Ebert, uh took over up there. Did not mean to rhyme. I promise you. Um, and so you end up with the, the, the point, which I'm fine with. Personally, I'm fine with. Uh, it's just these next few matches at home, you've got two matches at home here where that's not acceptable. You know, you've got an opportunity to really kind of lock yourself up in terms of seating higher in the West. You've got to be able to take that advantage and go ahead and be like, all right, you know, we can't afford to just let this pass by, get just the one point. The scenario is still in play where if things go right and a good amount of things would need to go right, the Sounders can pass St. Louis City 
and have the number one spot in the West. I don't think it's happening. Um, I believe Seattle would need to win the next two matches and need some help uh, from St. Louis losing. Who knows? Um, I've seen crazier things happen with this club. So um, the Sounders sit at a 12 win, nine loss, 10 draw record. They're at 46 points right now, um, which is fine. That's fine for right now. Uh, but we look at the table here. We'll look at the table. Um, because of Real Salt Lake having more wins on the season, they've got 13 to the Sounders 12. Uh, despite those teams being tied in points, Real Salt Lake is second in the Western Conference and Seattle is third. LAFC is right behind Seattle with 45 points, one point behind. Houston is two points behind Seattle with 44. And Vancouver, who again will play this upcoming week, uh, is three points behind with 43. And so is Portland. Portland has 43 as well. Oh, goodness. St. Louis. Oh, wait. I don't know if actually that's true. I don't know if uh, the Sounders can catch St. Louis anymore. So I'm not worried about that. Um, yeesh. Yeah. Ooh, who's Real Salt Lake? We'll look at Real Salt Lake. Real Salt Lake has to play Sporting Kansas City, LA, and Colorado. So uh, that road's not really that tough for them going forward. LAFC has to play Minnesota, Austin, and Vancouver. Not that that tough. Seattle, so Seattle has arguably one of the harder sort of paths to the playoffs. So I don't know. It'll be very interesting. Um, <sighs> You're ideally going to want to be back at full strength, have Rusnak hopefully available, ready to go. Morris, uh, I, it's it's tough with Raul. I know a lot of people have opinions on it, whether to buy him out or, yeah, it's it's going to be tough with Raul. Um, we know what Raul can do when he's healthy, and we know that availability is the best thing that you can give to a head coach. Two, two of these things can be true. So anyway, uh, the next few matches, as I mentioned, 12 wins, nine losses, 10 draws for the, the Sounders there, sitting at 46 points, third in the Western Conference at the moment, ninth in the entirety of the MLS. I believe Cincinnati has already clinched the uh, supporter shield. Looking ahead, the next two matches, October 4th, Wednesday, versus the LA Galaxy. This is a 7.30 p.m. Pacific time kickoff. Um that's a big one. Again, you want to get all these points. You're playing back at home. You're playing a team that right now is sitting at second to last in the Western Conference with only 35 points. Uh, you got to take advantage. You got to take advantage. You got to get all three points. No ifs, ands, or buffs about it. Um, and then their next match of the week is October 7th versus the Vancouver Whitecaps at home. This is also a 7.30 start. 7.30? 7.30 start. Um, against the Whitecaps. The Whitecaps, as I mentioned, they're close. They are sitting at six in the Western Conference in points uh, with 43. That is the final home match of the regular season. Vancouver also has already clinched Cascadia Cup uh, because of results earlier in the season for the Sounders and Portland. So that sucks. Um, but yeah, both of these big matches. And then um, by the time we get to that last week of the regular season where the Sounders will head over to St. Louis to play that club, uh, it might not matter. That result might not matter per se. Um, but with decision day um, and how wild that is and all, yeah, it probably will. So I take my words back on that one. Uh, big last three weeks for the Sounders as they continue to make their playoff push. Two games at home. So if you're able to come out, check those out. 7.30 starts. It's a little bit later than I'm sure a lot of people would like. But again, very important uh, as they try to push for a playoff spot. 
um, and keep positive momentum rolling. I would say that recently, because of how they've played, they've got some positive momentum. We move over here. Speaking of positive momentum, and I can only I, I say that with like some caution because it's the preseason and eh, you know, it's not too concerning per se. We move over to our Kraken, uh, who started the, the week game-wise in split squad action. So on the 25th, the group at the Calgary Flames in the Saddle Dome won 5-3. Our player of the game forward, Ellie Tolvin. Tolvin and two assists, two points, one plus minus, a hit, and two shots on the day. Um, Washington-born forward, Kyler Yamamoto, had two goals in this one, so you give him a star as well. Um for that win and then the squad that was at home excuse me actually went to a penalty shootout funny enough uh and would lose excuse me lose that one in the shootout so uh the scoreboard would read two to three uh our player of the game before the shootout and even in overtime joey was rock solid just the shootout such a tough situation our player of the game is goaltender joey decord pre-shootout he had seven uh 15 saves pardon me um and zero goals allowed there. And, you know, this could be its own video, but more and more, Joey Decord is looking like the backup goaltender for the Seattle Kraken roster. Uh, Chris Rieger's kind of gotten eaten up on a few different occasions, and Joey Decord has just kind of been lifted more and more uh, where the key stuff is for a player's partner. I mean, you, uh, well, partner, the partner goalie partner yeah yeah for a tandem he's just been playing a lot with the nhl squad uh whether that be in the reps that they get at training camp or these games in the preseason so um we'll go now to our photos of the game here uh before we get to the canucks and i've been talking a lot about the cord but we'll get to it there uh in this photo of the game by matthew bermudez in the shutout loss i thought this one was really cool to see kind of the interfaces of the face-off circle. Matty Benier is obviously trying to win that face-off there. Uh, you've got the Calgary player. You've got the re- the official. So I, I thought that was really cool to tie that all up. And then in the preseason game against the Canucks on the 28th here in Seattle, a 3-1 to win. Our player of the game, once again, forward Ellie Tolvin and Tolvin and making an impact, getting two points once again, two goals, two points, a one plus minus, and two shots on the game. Um, and another really solid performance. By our photo of the game here is taken by Liz Walter. Joy Decord in the goal. I uh, kind of messed it up there. But again, long story short, because of the scenarios he's been put in, whether that be in you know, drills up at training camp or in practice, um, as well as here in the games, it really looks like Joy Decord will be the one backing up Philip Grubauer and not Chris Drieger. There's still some practice to go. Head coach Dave Haxel has said on a multitude of occasions that they're going to look at their um options extensively throughout the course of the preseason there um but i just think it's more evident day in and day out that's going to be the court so we get to our player of the week here and i mean because of the amount of times i said his name you could argue that it would be joey but i went with ellie tolvin and two goals two assists four points a two plus minus one hit and four shots over the course of the past week that is pretty good um and i know that with a good amount of forwards um, on this roster, whether it be guys who are getting taken a flyer on and will more than likely be AHL guys, or you look at where this roster is uh, right now. I was talking to somebody about this, but if you look at the top few lines for the Kraken, uh, that top line, that McCann, Beneers, Eberly line is insane on its own. That's line one. We go to line two. You could argue that it's the um, Bjorkstrand, 
Gord Tolvanen line. That's line two. And then I haven't even mentioned Andre Burakovsky's name yet, you know, uh, which is, is wild to think about just because of the amount of talent in this team. Anyway, point being, you could easily look over him just because of the amount of talent, but he's shown out and it really like, Hey, this is my spot. I'm going to be on this team and I'm going to contribute here. You can't just push me out like that. Um, it's been fun to watch that. It's been fun to watch Ellie. He's been a great, great story to watch. Um, since the Kraken got him for free from Nashville effectively. So, yeah, I mean, you can only take so much from these preseason games. There are a few things that are like, hey, this is sticking out. Ty Cartier looks like he belongs. Um, Pierre Wurdbamar is a excellent, excellent personality and has spent some time after practices to help uh, some of his younger teammates work on faceoffs and things as of, of that nature. Um, and as I mentioned, Joey Decord looks more and more like the starting goalie as this goes on. So um, with that, and I, with I mentioned preseason, Trimming down the roster is taking place. Uh, on the 26th, those start those moves started. The following players were reassigned to their major junior clubs. Lucas Dragasevich uh, with the Tri-City Americans in the WHL. Yager Furkus uh, of the Moose Jaw Warriors in the WHL. David Goyette of the Sudbury Wolves in the OHL. Kaden Hamill of the Everett Silvertips with the WHL. Andre Loshko of Roin Naranda, the Huskies in the QMGA. JHL, pardon me, uh, Carson Rekoff of the Kitchener Rangers of the OHL, and then Edward Shella um, of the Barre Colts in the OHL. The following players on the same day were reassigned to OHL Coachella Valley and the Firebirds, Maxime Andreve, uh, Jackson Carter, and that's J-A-X-S-O-N, uh, Caster, not Carter, pardon me, um, and Kyle Jackson, Kyle Jackson, a forward that really tore it up uh, for the battalion with uh, Ty Nelson up in North Bay. He had a quiet year and kind of wasn't really recognized amongst the um, a bunch of the fan base, really. It was obviously Ty Nelson's a lot of fun, but Kyle Jackson had a really productive uh, season, I thought, in his uh, respective major junior club. So, being on Ty Nelson on the 27th, the team reassigned Nelson uh, to the North Bay Battalion of the OHL. It'll be interesting to see if he plays at all with the Firebirds. Um, this season because I know he was with the roster in their playoff push. So it'll be interesting to see um, if Ty is here for that. So um, on the 29th, the following players were reassigned to the uh, Coachella Valley Firebirds training camp. Uh, goaltender Jack LaFontaine for Jacob Melanson, who you can see here getting into a little bit of a skirmish with Vancouver in that last game uh, this previous week. Uh, Logan Morrison, Vile Otavainen, Tucker Robinson, and Ryan Winterton, all of them a bunch, well, not all of them per se, but a bunch of really talented former uh, forwards that should really make this Firebirds team a lot of fun to watch um, when the season arrives. So um, looking ahead here, We've got a few games to go for our Kraken in the upcoming. Um, next is today, later in the day, October 2nd versus the Edmonton Oilers. That's a 7 o'clock puck drop. I'm going to be heading up to the Iceplex for morning skate here in a little bit for that. October 4th at the Canucks. Um, we'll see the Canucks again. 7 p.m. Pacific time. It's funny because this game is technically listed as a neutral site, but it's up in Abbotsford, uh, which is the AHL affiliate for the Canucks. So not really neutral i guess i digress um it's a seven o'clock puck drop once again and then the kraken will wrap up their preseason schedule on october 6th 
at the Edmonton Oilers with a 6 p.m. Pacific time start. That is the final game of the NHL preseason for the Kraken as they look to make the, I, I know I talked about it with the Mariners and how they set the expectations here, but with the Kraken, it really feels like you're going to be able to take the next step. Um, you've got this great leadership group in place. You've got the depth. And I think that depth stuck around. A lot of people were like, Hey, is this sustainable? Is this something that they're going to be able to do next year? I don't know about all the records and such, but I think that there's the possibility there to continue to be a highly offensive unit um, going forward. So we'll wrap up here with our last segment, um, the OL rain and like the Sounders, the rain are looking to not only improve their seating, but just kind of clinch their playoff spot. And they weren't able to do well. They weren't going to be able to clinch their playoff spot, regardless of what happened in yesterday's match. Um, but you would have liked to see the three points. You would like to see some separation. Instead, the rain split the points with the North Carolina courage here at home, a one to one draw our player of the match forward, Megan Rapino Pino, uh, in her second to last home regular season game of her career, uh, 7.9 match rating, one assist, two shots, a 73% passing percentage, and two chances created on the night. Pino assisted on the Bethany Balser goal in the 21st minute to get the club rolling. It seemed like, hey, they're going to be able to kind of stomp through them. Um, the rain kind of needed to get that offensive flow going. Um, and that really just didn't happen uh that 21st minute goal was nice it looked like hey they're going to be able to string some things together and there were a few possessions where it looked dangerous but the rain were really 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 outchanced in this one uh north carolina had 25 shots on the game uh which is not exactly great so you're kind of peppering goaltender claudia dickey dickey um the reason that goal came about dickey came way off her line like way off her line to come and try to help out uh, because the courage had gotten a ball over top over the rain defenders um, and the, the courage defenders, the courage attackers, pardon me, were able to help get the club on the board there. Um, and then shortly after that defender, Alana cook was charged with a red card and sent off because the player that she was trying to tackle um, had, already been injured i believe is what the sentiment is and they don't want to ruin that so they just took him out um so whoa where did i just go with that i apologize again very tired a lot going on um red card yes okay i apologize i really am sorry very tired trying to work through this uh a lot going on had the rain yesterday, had the Mariners game, have this morning skate. Uh, we go back to the red card. Um, Claudia Dickey had come off her line pretty heavily to try and get that ball over top. Caroline of North Carolina uh, was able to take advantage of that score shortly after. Um, the Courage had gotten another sort of breakaway situation. It was one player remaining, and Alana Cook had to kind of chase down and get that foul in there. Uh, it was a smart foul. I mean, you could argue that the rain lose this match had it not been for that foul uh, because North Carolina did nothing in the following penalty. I mean, free kick, but it's going to be tough to not have Alana cook for the next week's game. Uh, this next upcoming game. Uh, and especially because it's Washington that you're playing. So uh, the rain were able to play the second half. Fine. I mean, defensively really strong effort. Um, but yeah, not so great. 
uh, in terms of chances, I go back to it. North Carolina had 25 shots. Seven of them were on target. Uh, the rain, single-digit shots, and even lower shots on target. I believe they had two. So not so great from the rain, but they get the point. Um, they currently sit just uh, in the final spot uh, in the NWSL table for a playoff spot in sixth. Um, and depending on how their match goes today um, for Orlando versus Angel City, Orlando, I believe, could move past the rain if their goal differential for that match is plus four. I believe that's how that works with these tiebreakers. Um, the end of the cell isn't always the most helpful, and they were wrong about certain clinching situations. So uh, we'll get to that. Anyway, uh, injury report versus the Courage defender. Sophia Huerta was out with a leg injury, and midfielder Rose Lavelle was also out with a leg injury. So uh, Huerta suffered that injury with the U.S. Women's National Team camp, and Lavelle suffered the injury uh, before she went to the camp. So uh, just unfortunate. Uh, just considering uh, the amount of services that Sophia Huerta brings into the box and her defense as well. And then Roosevelt, we don't know what Roosevelt can do. So anyway, we'll get to our photo of the match here by Liz Walter. You can see in the background, Bethany Balser celebrating with Megan Rapino. Balser scoring the header, um, Rapino on the service, and Casey Murphy, former rain goalkeeper in the sort of foreground there, not in focus. So, um, I mean, it's tough. It's very tough. but. The it, just because you think about it, you go down to ten players. Um, the the goal that North Carolina gets is off a of mistake that hopefully won't ever happen again. Uh, but you're kind of playing with fire here, kind of playing with fire. There are teams that want you out. There are teams that want to take your spot. Um, it's going to be tough. They're going to have this sense of urgency. They've got two regular season home games left. One of them being against the Spirit, who I believe sit in fourth in the West. Let me see if I can pull that up. Oops, nope, wrong game. Table. Yeah, the Courage. No, I apologize. The, the Courage sent fourth and the Spirit sent fifth. Uh, and the Spirit are only one point ahead of the Rain. The Rain have 28 points. The Spirit have 29. So this is going to be a big matchup regardless. The Spirit have kind of had the number of the Rain in recent years. So you're looking to kind of turn that around here. Um, and get things going so that we have more games to cover like this. So um, we'll see. We'll see. Two regular season matches left. Uh, the Reigns did an eight win, eight loss, four draw record. They're sixth in the league table right now with 28 points. Uh, the next closest team behind them has 26 points. So you're going to need that sense of urgency. You're going to want to pick up these points the next few days because um, you really can't afford to not do that. The next match, October 6th versus the Washington Spirit. As I mentioned, this is a 5 o'clock Pacific time kickoff. 5 o'clock. It will be streamed on CBS and Paramount+. Plus. It is the last regular season home game of 2023. After this game, the Reign have one more match on the season, and it's in Chicago against the Red Stars to close out the regular season. Um, it is the theme of the match is Forever Rain, a celebration of Megan Rapino. So expect a bunch uh, for the club to go out there uh, because of that. So we'll wrap it up here. Um, I want to apologize. I really do want to apologize. Um, it's a heavy workload. Uh, we're right in the thick of it the Mariners season just ending and how often they play and the Kraken season with preseason training camp uh how often the training camp dates are and the practices the Sounders and the rain making their respective playoff pushes I apologize 
I thought I held it pretty good um, until the rain section where I kind of went off on a tangent. So anyway, I apologize for that. Until I see you next time, later in the month of October, we're here in the month of October. Take care of yourselves, be well, and do whatever you can to make today a great day. Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.